Get to school happy and gay. Welcome to the China Podcast. Um, we've reached a milestone over the last little while. Um, we've reached a thousand downloads, which we think is pretty good. Um, it's brilliant, yeah. Isn't it? Uh, it's exceeded all expectations. Yeah, it has indeed. And we've only been doing it for a little while. Yeah, we're so, about four and a half months in. Four and a half months in and, you know, keeps growing. Keeps keep People keep listening. Absolutely. It's a, a minor triumph. It is a minor triumph, yeah. It's been an awful topsy-turvy few weeks over here, hasn't it? Very much so, yeah. Uh, we've got COVID. Yeah. Uh, well, well, you don't. You, have COVID. you, you, you and, and I don't, don't have, have COVID. COVID. You and I don't have COVID, yeah. but it's it's back in China. It's yeah. uh, prevalent once more. Yeah. Um, as bad as as bad as it's been for t- two years. Probably as many cases as there's been for two years. Well, it's in the in the thousands again. Yeah. Which is worrying because it, it, they obviously they aren't like they'll get around to stopping it. I'm sure at some point. If they don't. It's probably just going to take over. Yeah, and that's where the the question marks over the zero COVID policy come into play. Well, the zero COVID only works if everyone else plays ball. Well, that's it, yeah. So, um, I mean, we were talking about this last year, it's, I suppose, last yeah. summer. And um, even last summer, it was bad enough in, in Europe uh, and elsewhere. Uh, we were tipping along in China... Perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Yeah. yeah. As normal, going about our business. Uh, but what we were saying to each other at the time was, yeah, China did the right thing. Yeah. They implemented a zero COVID policy. Lock it all down. Shut your borders. Keep it contained. Yeah. And it worked. And it disappeared. Right. And yeah. life was back to normal within two or three months. Yeah. But you can't do, you can't do that in other countries but well you can do it in other countries they just didn't they didn't and that's the problem because as you said zero COVID only works if everyone else does yeah um, Australia did the same thing New Zealand did yeah. did, did the same thing but in Europe in the States they just accept it they accepted it they they, they lived with it they kept, they kept it going and, and gradually locked things down yeah. and banned this and banned that and yeah, before yeah, they yeah. ultimately closed yeah, uh, but it was too late, and it was it's too late, too rampant. It was too rampant. Too many in, people in society. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and like it's a shame the amount of people that die. But you know, this Omicron doesn't look dangerous, so it doesn't look that dangerous. No, it's uh, more infectious. More infectious, but not as dangerous. Not as, as dangerous. not as dangerous as the the one before the Delta. But sure, I don't know. I know nothing about it. Like, if in all honesty, I know nothing about it because I'm not a doctor. You know, I've, I just do whatever the doctors tell me. I have to go get a third shot now. Yeah, um, yeah, the booster. Yeah, have you had your booster? I haven't had my booster, but the six months are up. Yeah, my six so months were up a little while ago. I have to go back to Andrew to get it. Okay. Yeah, I got. Yeah, yeah I got a text message about it. So yeah. it's just a matter of getting around to going mm. there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, if the rest of the world had done the same thing. Yeah, and sacrificed five or six months yeah. of their lives. Yeah, back in twenty twenty, would we be still here talking about it right now? No, we wouldn't. It'd be over. It'd be done. It, it's possible. Yeah, it's it, possible. Yeah. But now it's lingering on, and it's just going to continue. And yeah. where Europe are kind of, they've learned how to live with it. Yeah, 
the countries who've gone zero COVID and still go zero COVID, they may be at a disadvantage. Yeah, well, there is a there and there, there's a diff, massive disadvantage for for sport or games, if you would like. So I love chess, and I don't know if you know that the the last round of the Grand Prix of the Chess Grand Prix is going on, and the two top placed players in the Grand Prix they get to play in the candidates match, which is to challenge Magnus Carlsen for his world title. Ding Loren doesn't get to play in that because of China's zero COVID policy. Yeah. Now, you, there's another guy, uh, Grischuk. It's a piece of work now, to be honest with you. Um, he's a Russian guy and he has been banned. Mm. So he got a place in the candidates match based on his rating. And the next highest rated player that doesn't have a seat is actually Ding Loren. So the the place in the candidates match should go to him. Yeah. But he needs to have played 25 um, classical chess games within a certain period of time. Mm. And this is one of the highest rated players of all time. And he can't play those games. Yeah. Because he's stuck in China. So, so no way for him to no to get out. No. Well, he could probably get out, he but he could get out, but he can't get back. back. Okay, which is you know it does it does affect um, does affect sports people who are based in in China. Yeah, um, Ding Loren being I suppose one of the biggest names of those. You know, because he hit him and Ali Fergusa, I would I would bet on them. Just as just me as a chess fan, mm. I would I would look at Ali Ali Ferruja and Ding Loren as potential new world champions. Um, so do you reckon this this Magnus Carlsen fella? He's the best ever. Right, he's the best ever. But does he have any competition now that these other guys cannot challenge him? Ali Ali Ferruja. Okay. Yeah, Ali Ferruja is like he's what is he eighteen? He's eighteen and he's twenty eight hundred rated. He's like one of the one of the highest rated players of all time and he's still only 18 wow he's he's ridiculously good mm. he's a, an Iranian French grandmaster um, a grandmaster at 18 oh no he was a grandmaster at 13 what yeah like you these are the type of people that that just know chess they just know chess yeah. that's, they that's can look it. at a chess board and see every move yeah, ahead of them and tell you the next 10 moves mm. you know yeah um that's where I struggle. <laughs> That's where you struggle. <laughs> I can't see two moves ahead of me. Yeah. But there's been a good, uh, been a good time for Chinese sports people who are not based in China. Um, a young boy based in Sheffield in England. Yeah, uh, Joe Guan Yu. Yeah, Joe talking Guan about Yu. Grand Prix. Yeah, we're talking now about Formula One. Yeah, and yeah, this guy. This is his first season in Formula One, so Formula One being the top tier of motorsport. Yeah. And yeah, so he, he's come from F2, Formula Two. Yeah. Uh, where he was successful, um, a Grand Prix winner, a yeah, Grand yeah. Prix of Formula Two winner, um, but not a champion in, not a champion, in that no. field. Um, so yeah, when he was when he was given the are awarded the um the, the seat at Alfa Romeo yeah. this season. There were question marks. Question yeah. marks by a lot of people who were saying, 
why not give it to the champion? Why not give it to, I think his first name is Oscar Piastri. Yeah. Um, see, what he did was he, he joined um, a team called Alpine. Yeah. They're a French team. And he joined as their reserve driver. Right. And yeah, a, a lot of hardcore fans were saying they couldn't understand why Joe and not Piastri. Yeah. Let's just say at the weekend, he proved everybody wrong. He did. His first Grand Prix in Bahrain, not only did he drive exceptionally right throughout, yeah. but he also put what was last season, the second slowest car, into 10th place. Yeah. Meaning he got his, he got a point. No, I only watched the, I watched the highlights of that. And um, I didn't watch the full race. I didn't, I didn't have time. It was on too late. Um, but I, I did watch his teammate is Valtteri Bottas. Bottas, yeah, yeah. Right, and Valtteri Bottas last year was driving for Mercedes. He was driving for Mercedes. As Lewis Hamilton's teammate. I, in, like so, he's in the best car. Mm-hmm. All right, last year he's in the best car and yeah. he's driving with with Hamilton. Um, he did really well as well, didn't he? Yeah, he finished sixth. Yeah. Now the reason both drivers finished. In the points yeah. was because of um, retirements at Red Bull. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Their two cars were running in the top four, yeah. and both retired. It's, it's they a, didn't finish. The, yeah. They had mechanical issues, so that that elevated Joe from twelfth, yeah, with two or three laps to go, up into tenth. So he yeah. finished in the points positions. Um, Bottas would have finished yeah. eighth or so anyway, um, but it's, it was an incredible achievement because uh, Joe Guan Yu is the first. Chinese driver in F1 yeah. as in as in driving in a race in a Grand Prix yeah. there have been others who've tested and, and yeah, stuff and like that but never driven in an actual race um, and a few in the Formula 2s and the Formula 3s yeah, yeah yeah there's been a few always knocking about yeah but you know from from a I suppose a commercial point of view from a, a PR campaign mm-hmm. in terms of China and its relationship with Formula 1 it's a big thing oh yeah you know um Unfortunately, for the last couple of years and and this year as well, there there's no uh, Chinese Grand Prix yeah. uh, on the calendar. It, it does exist. Uh, hopefully, it'll be back next season. I, I really hope it's back I, next season because I want to go to it. Yeah, so do I. Um, but yeah, if if the if Formula One can tap into the Chinese market in a big way, um, it, they can only reap the benefits. Well, they, they, and they, having a, a, a Chinese driver on the field on the grid as well. The, is a big thing. The Chinese love a superstar. Of they course, of absolutely course, yeah. love a superstar. Yeah, I can't believe I can't begin to tell you the amount of things that I've seen Eileen Gu selling. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I saw her selling toilets. She's selling toilets now. She's selling toilets. Yeah, so she's selling coffee. She's selling houses. Yeah, she's selling sofas. Uh-huh. She's selling toilets. Um. And, and and this is all on top of maybe the, the 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 usual stuff I'd imagine she has, which is are like skis and hats and and glasses. Yeah. yeah, her own merchandise. Her own merchandise, and the same is like uh-huh. if if Guan Yu Zhou, if Guan Yu Zhou manages to get any sort of a success in Formula One, yeah, you're gonna see him everywhere. Yeah, it's a massive achievement. Like the the Alfa Romeo team is not good. Um. They're all right, like this this season. Yeah. This is because this season is like a, a kind of restart, resetting yeah, yeah. the ball again. Um, 
because of new regulations the cars yeah. have changed um, engines have changed so there's been a real shake up yeah. on the grid and actually Alfa Romeo are one of those teams who have started off really well yeah, yeah. Um, because they did the groundwork right over the last year or two in yeah. anticipation for this season probably one of the few teams who sacrificed a little bit yeah. sacrificed last season and maybe the year before yeah. with the um, in anticipation for in anticipation doing it this, this, year. this, yeah, yeah, this yeah. season so they had a, a long term plan it'll be interesting to see how it shapes out over the course of the year for Guan Yin Zhou yeah. it'll, be like, it'll be nice to see him you know, pick up a few more points uh, and, and uh, I don't doubt that he, he, he can't, can't do it because you know from his driving ability yeah. it's pretty good like he's he's easy on the eye he's swashbuckling you oh. know, he, he made a huge number of overtakes so he knows what he's doing yeah, um, a swashbuckling Chinese uh, Formula One driver. Yeah, he's a hero, like like what you're saying, you know. Yeah, someone for for Chinese people to look up to. To give them the give them that little video clip of 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 saying speaking of looking up, that was awful. That 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 plane crash during the week. Yeah, yeah, it was um, very very tragic. Oh, scary how scary how a plane can do that. If you, if, if, in case anybody out there doesn't know, um, there was a plane that took off from Kunming. It was flying to Guangzhou. And right now, at the time of us recording this, nobody really knows what happens. What happened? They do have the voice recorder for, from the uh, cockpit. But that that plane was at cruising height, um, thirty six thousand feet, and it dropped vertically. It dropped vertically before a couple of thousand feet up. It, the pilot actually managed to get control of it, and he, he brought it up again. Mm. It leveled out, and then it dropped again, again, yeah, vertically straight down into the ground. Yeah, and some of those um, witness videos. A CCT oh. videos were just horrific, just just scary. You know, there's 132 we, people like, when you see see that object, as you say, vertically yeah. falling from the sky. It, it, it's literally vertically falling. Uh, yeah. it's, a, it's it's like you just get a penny and drop it. Mm. I, I've never seen I'm, that kind of clip before. I've never seen a plane. You've seen, you might have seen a recreation of it. I've been waiting to see. I've been waiting to talk to my other, my other friend Eric. He's a he's a pilot. Um, because I was under the impression that the Boeing 737-800, which is the plane that it was, mm. I was under, under the impression that they couldn't do that. Yeah. That they actually could not drop vertically because the computer would just shut it down. Right. Um, so I'd, re- I'd really like to know more about what, what, what the hell happened. Yeah, and I mean, they found one black box, but yeah. they're looking for the other. The, yeah, the, the, I think they found the one with the, the um, voice recordings. Yeah, they found that or they haven't. They have found. They, they have, have found the one with the voice recordings from the cockpit, but they don't have the other black box. Right, and is, yeah. is the the one with the voice recordings that would be the most important for knowing what happened between you know the, other one the dialogue will, between the pilots? Of the course, other, is critical. Yeah, the other one will have the telemetry. The dialogue is critical. Yeah, but like, do they not have the like the telemetry anyway? There'll be more recorded. About like bus failures and stuff like that in the 
Like they, they, I suppose, yeah. You yeah. know, they'll be able to tell you exactly what what was going on. Mm. They don't have they they don't transmit everything. Yeah, you know. Um, but hopefully, the people whose families were lost, hopefully they get a bit of closure. Hopefully, you know, everybody that was on the flight gets gets found and gets sent home. Yeah, yeah, that that you is know? important. Yeah, as you said, that 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 they have that closure. Um, but yeah, Boeing in the last number of years have had a, a bad rap. They've had a very bad rap. Um, a lot of, a lot of disasters. Yeah, a whole lot of div- disasters. Um, but they like if there if there was a problem and they knew there was a problem, then you know they should have just taken the planes out. They should have just cancelled the whole thing. But. That's what I hear people saying. I hear people saying that there's a problem with that type of plane. Yeah. I don't believe it. You, you don't know. And the other thing is, like, um, there are so many Boeings. Yeah. You know, I don't know what the percentage will be of all planes in the world. Um, it would, it would, that are Boeing, but... It'll be pretty high up there. Pretty high percentage of pretty them. Pretty high know? up there. Um, and we have the COVID back here as well. We have the COVID back in, in, in Chongqing here. We, there's four or five cases. Um, well, there's there's what I think last I heard there's sixty cases. Sixty cases in total. Yeah, but in the last few days there haven't been any. I've been told that I can't leave the city. That I can't leave the city to go to to Wanjo and then come back, or I'd have to quarantine. Yeah, um, and there's a fear of that too. I mean, because you don't know what's going to happen when you are away. Yeah, um, and can you get back or not? Yeah, even if it is okay to travel. But the, the the good thing is, the good thing is the boys from Chengdu get to come up. Yes, they do. Um, with their their Gaelic footballs, with their Gaelic footballs, yeah, and their their rugby's their yeah. rugby balls. It'd be <laughs> the rugby balls, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting mix, Gaelic and and rugby. Uh, very much so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what's what's happening is tomorrow. Yeah, there is what's called the inaugural hot pot cup. Yeah, and this is happening in Chongqing, um, and it's been kind of billed as a a rival kind of match or matchup between between Chengdu and Chongqing. I think that that's, that's what they'd like. That's what they'd like in yeah. theory. Uh, I, I don't know if it's if it's going to be like that in reality. Yeah. Um, a little bit of local rivalry. Yeah, but it's all new. Yeah, it's all it's all brand new. Um, it's the first time that this is this has happened or taken place, been organised. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a, a gang of people coming from Chengdu, uh, coming from the local JA club there. Yeah. Um, and they're coming to Chongqing, and yeah, people from here and people from Chengdu. Putting on a, a little bit of a show. Putting on a little bit of a show. Um, Gaelic football and tag rugby. There's been a fair bit of... of uh, I'm going to come back to the, to the Hot Pot Cup now in a bit. But there's been a fair bit of um, Gaelic players, like like fairly popular uh, hurling players and Gaelic players that come over to China over the last while, aren't there? Yeah. Now, first, we need to say... We need to tell you for the the uninformed what is Gaelic football. What are we yeah. what are we talking about? So Gaelic football is uh, an Irish traditional sport. 
Yeah. Um, alongside hurling. Yeah. So these are are the two national pastimes, um, and they've been played for hundreds of years, thousands of years. Thousands in the case of hurling, possibly, yeah. possibly. I mean, I mean, they, they outdate uh, football, soccer. Well, hurling sense. outdates writing. Rugby, hurling outdates writing. Out, out, outdates writing in Ireland, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So the, one of the first books so ever written in, one of the first books ever written down in Ireland, in Ireland, contained mention of hurling. And that's going back a long way because you yeah. know the the, the I- Ireland being the land of saints and scholars, yeah, uh, monks in, in particular were writing. So we had a long, we had, long time ago. We had written records during the Dark Ages that the English didn't, because once the Romans left, they didn't write anything. Mm. But the Irish kept on going with the the Church of Column Kill and stuff to the extent that we the Irish ended up teaching the English how to write. Yeah, and, and of course. Um, you know, hurls exist in Irish folklore and legend and myth yeah. as well. Um Cullen and all that kind of thing, yeah. you know. A hurl and his wolfhounds. A hurl being the 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 stick, the implement you use to play the game. It's shaped roughly like an axe. Like a, a well, a, a long, a longer, a longer axe. A longer axe, yeah. We'll say, a but it's it's all wood, so without all, the yeah. blade, there's no metal yeah. in it. Yeah, well, there's a metal band on it. Well, look, it's not made of metal. No, yeah, it's made of ash. Yeah, it's, it's made from the ash tree. It's made from the ash tree. Yeah, um, but yeah, there, there's mentions of it being used to to train warriors and stuff like that. Mm. Um, thousands of years ago, yeah, there, there were a few of the boys that used to play. Harland, they've been over to China. There's a there's one very famous one in Xi'an now at the minute, isn't there? Yeah, there's a fella called Cha Fitzpatrick. Cha Fitzpatrick, um, yeah. Former Kilkenny All Ireland winning captain. Yeah. Um and he, he retired from playing for Kilkenny at the tender age of twenty six, I would yeah. That, that that is that is a tender age. Um it? but he won yeah, multiple All Ireland oh. titles with Kilkenny. Kilkenny yeah. Being a county in Ireland, being arguably the best hurling county in Ireland. Yeah. Um, say that's hard to say for a Clare man. Or a Wexford man. Or a Wexford man. <laughs> but it's true though. One or the other. One or the other. Um, but yeah. Um, so his story was, uh, he was hurling for his county back in Ireland, teaching in Ireland. Yeah. And... He moved to to Abu Dhabi for a while, yeah. and then took the next step and moved to Shanghai because yeah. I don't know. One of his mates told him that, yeah, this is even more international. Yeah, well, he was teaching in in the south of Do- South Dublin, and he was teaching primary school in South Dublin, mm. and um, big money to be made in Abu Dhabi. There's big money to be made in Abu Dhabi, so tax free, tax free, yeah. And then they said, all right, well, why don't you go for Shanghai? Yeah, yeah, it's probably the reason why most of the teachers end up here. Well, yeah, I mean, as, as international cities go, yeah, in uh, in a modern sense of an international city, um, it's hard to look past Shanghai. Very it's hard, hard to beat it. Yeah. Um, and you know Abu Dhabi and Dubai as well. You can get a sense that when you go there, you're kind of living in a bubble. That's for sure. In a way, in Shanghai, it, there's just so much happening. Yeah, there's well, a lot more. I would say. From my personal point of view, there's a lot more happening in in China than there would be 
in one of those Middle Eastern Yeah, like, because if, if you go to you go to Abu Dhabi and you, as an Irishman, you want to go out and get a pint, it then becomes difficult, mm. you know. Whereas if you're in Shanghai and you want to get a pint, you just walk down to the corner shop. Yeah. You know, there'd probably be some old lad sitting there playing chess, drinking, drinking beer. Yeah, there's no shortage. Um, and then culture yeah. is there. Absolutely. In all its in all its forms as well. So yeah, he he moved to Shanghai yeah. um for a while and then went inland into Xi'an. Xi'an being uh an, the old the capital, capital city yeah. in, in ancient China. Chang'an. And yeah. and now uh s- still a very, very, very popular tourist um destination. Fantastic city. Uh old very old city old city walls um, terracotta also, warriors also home to the terracotta warriors of course yeah. yeah so yeah he's in Xi'an now he's he's teaching yeah so you know I remember reading something that he was saying that it was a big change for him over the last year or two you know I think like with with being locked down and stuff in China and stuff he was um, he was pretty impressed by the the Chinese lockdown thing but, yeah uh, yeah uh, as most people were, I think, yeah. uh, in, if most foreigners in China at the time, because you could see you could, when you're here, and you could see like absolutely this like, works. You're talking to people. You're talking to people back home, and they're saying, "Oh no, we've been in the house for the last three months." We never were. We were never in the house for three months. No, uh, you know, even when it was bad enough, we were still yeah, able yeah, to yeah, go out yeah. about our business, but. Um, yeah, that's just one of the things that, that Chad Fitzpatrick has been impressed with about China. Uh, but he does lament a kind of the lack of a GAA uh, kind of culture yeah. amongst foreigners in in his city, yeah. uh, more so in, in China as well. Yeah, um, being a Kenny man, being yeah, being an avid lover of of GAA. Like I can't imagine him sitting down and watching the soccer. He, no. No, I mean he's you're going you're going to miss it. You oh, know? absolutely, yeah. You know you're you're going to um, you're going to pine for it, especially if it's such a such a big part of your life. You know, um, what's it? What was the other guy? The, the other the, fella is Dermot Ling. That's him. Yeah. Now Dermot Ling didn't live in China, um, but he was here for a while, yeah. uh, mostly in Tibet. Um, Dermot Ling is a former Wexford hurler. He was the captain, wasn't he? He was, was he? The, he was the captain for a while. He was made captain um, sometime in the late noughties. Yeah. So this then. is this would be coming after yeah, Wexford. They won the Leinster title in 2004, he, which he didn't participate yeah, yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. didn't participate in, or wasn't in the starting lineup. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, he, he did make, make his name in the, in the team. He was a regular um, and eventually became, became captain. Um his story, his story is a very interesting one because this guy, he's a big mental health advocate, yeah, or an advocate for looking after your mental for health. After your mental health, yeah. Um, the reason being was playing for Wexford at the time, and you're, you're, he's he was in a team coming off a very successful period yeah. in which Wexford were at the top of their game. They they won an All Ireland title, they won a couple of Leinster titles. They were considered uh, as one of the top dogs yeah. in the country. Um, so because of that, 
there comes expecta- uh, expectations. Yeah. Right? Expectations from from the Wexford people. From the Wexford people. And there's a pressure to succeed. Yeah, there's a, Exactly. There's there's a pressure to succeed. Yeah, that comes do, with that. And I think a lot of Wexford people, they want to emulate the heroes of the past and they want to be able to put Dermot Ling on a, on a, on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, if this is the guy that scores all your points, you want him to be the superstar. You know? Absolutely. And... You know this this expectancy, this pressure started very early yeah. when he was in the minor categories, yeah. um, uh, from the age of let's say seventeen, eighteen yeah. years old, um, and he also came from a hurling family. I think he's uh, his brothers. I want to say his brothers played as well, I, or would have played locally, perhaps not a county level. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't say for, for, can't for say certain if yeah. they did it or not. Um, but yeah, this pressure continued and it became greater and greater and greater to to the point where it just got too much from. Well, you must, re- must reach a point where you just think to yourself, I'm just a sportsman. I'm this is what I well, I am a sportsman. And that's that's the essentially that's the be all and end all of my life. Mm-hmm. There is nothing beyond sport for me, which is kind of depressing. You know, if it, it it's it's not good for your mental health. Exactly. If if your whole world revolves around your sport, or even one thing in particular, yeah, any any one thing, you know, um, you do need, uh, yeah, you do need more you know, hobbies, whatever. Yeah, you need to be. Able you, need, to you need something else to fall back on as well. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he packed it all in. He packed it all in at probably prime of his career. And he went traveling. Yeah. He went traveling um, to a number of places. Um, he was going to go to South America first, right? I think he was, yeah. But he he ended up in uh, he ended up in Yonkers in okay. New York. Mm. He ended up in Yonkers in New York. He was working in a bar and he ended up having um he had he he made a lot of friends from Colombia and, and Mexico and uh, he intended on going there. He right, intended okay. on going there, yeah. yeah. He never, he, he, I don't think he ever did. He didn't make it because he went to Southeast Asia. He went to Southeast Asia, yeah. Um, and China as well. Yeah. First thing he did was he went off to... And Nepal, sorry, as well. And Nepal. So, not and strictly Vietnam. Southeast Asia. Um, but yeah, he went, yeah. He, he went to a monastery. Yeah. He went to a monastery. He went to find himself, I suppose, yeah. to kind of reflect on his life up to that point. Yeah. Um, and how he could better himself and get out of that kind of that state of mind that he was in that was kind of holding him back, I suppose. Yeah, which we all, how to break free. Yeah, I was th- I was thinking about this the other the other week. It was this week actually. Just take a week. Just take a week and go sit in a monastery. I was talking to a friend about it today. I was saying, just one day, just go find a a, a park. Just go find a park. Find a corner of the park. Sit down. Read a book. Don't answer your phone. Don't listen to music. Just sit there in your thoughts mm. and just ignore the world for a day. Yeah. Let go of all distractions. Let go, let go of all modern distractions. Yeah. Technology. All earthly, all earthly um, methods of communication. 
you know all all technological yeah. methods of keeping you in touch with everybody mm. just get just let go of them yeah just remove yourself remove yourself and then just you know lie down in the sunshine yeah which is what he did he did in a sense and um i think we all need to do that yeah it's all very stressed here at the minute if, yeah we are Oh, I oh, yeah, I never told you the first part of that story. first part of that oh. story is I was talking to another, uh, a girl who was going to spend a week in a monastery reflecting and meditating. Mm. She's not going to do that now. Guess why? Because of COVID. Cancel because of COVID. <laughs> All she was going to do was sit there and sit there and meditate, but she can't do that now. Uh, what a pity. Yeah, what a like, pity. It's like a week of quarantine anyway. Should have just told her to stay for an extra week. Yeah. It wouldn't be the worst, would it? It wouldn't be grand. Yeah, so I just suppose it's the getting there. Is the getting is, there? Yeah, is the problem. That's the trouble. Yeah, um, that that's what would have people, yeah, worrying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Dermot Ling uh, got involved in making some videos uh, of him hurling. Um, yeah. In China, uh, well, he was showing off his hurling skills and poking a ball. Yeah. Um, in front of a monastery, um, what well, the you know the big one in Lhasa in Tibet. Oh, there's a video there. It's the Grand Palace, isn't it? Um, I'm not sure. What it's I think it's called the Grand Palace. The one with the you know the one anyway. It was the one, the big one with the steps up to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I saw that one. I saw that one, and I saw the one. Um, where was he? He was down in um, Cambodia. Was it? It's there's a there's a big temple complex down there. I can't remember the name, but one of the, somebody would know the would know the name of it. Yeah, uh, anchor what? Anchor what? Anchor oh, what? Uh, yeah, he yeah, was yeah, yeah. he was poking a hurl around. Uh, uh, he was poking a schlitter around. Anchor what? Saw that one. So yeah, he 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 um, yeah he got together together a number of like high profile personalities, sports people yeah. that he knew or that wanted to take part, and yeah, they they made a collage of like video clips, yeah. put it all together, um, and put it out there, and it was called hurling around the world. That's, that's so, pretty cool. Like yeah, each one of them, yeah. each person stood in front of like a famous landmark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, did, did some perform some hurling skills. Yeah, didn't Xi Jinping hit a schlitter? Didn't he? He did indeed. Yeah, um, yeah. when he came to Dublin yeah. in Ireland, he met the president. Fair play to him for making contact because I remember he made contact with the ball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not always easy at first. No, it's not. It's hard to get. To grips with her, with hurling at first, you know the you know, just gripping the stick and yeah and hitting the ball and actually time. putting the ball onto the stick yeah. yeah but he did yeah and he took um took a tour of Crow Park uh, took a tour of the, the headquarters the headquarters the spiritual home of hurling yeah. in Ireland where yeah. all players want to play every player regardless of the sport they all want to play there no I'd love to play there you ever played in Crow Park I'm too old now too old huh? too old I'm in the wrong country. Uh-huh. It's terrible, terrible. Maybe it's happening in an alternative universe. Who knows? Maybe. Who maybe. knows? But uh, yes, well, we will play this weekend. We will play some Gaelic on real grass. On real grass, real turf, real grass, and not just the astro stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, as we said, the hot pot cup, the inaugural Gaelic football and touch rugby um, mm. hot pot cup. Um, and it, yeah, as we said, it's being billed as Chong Ching versus Chengdu. Yeah. And it's going to take place this Saturday, being tomorrow, 26th of March. We might as well give Tyson a big up as well. It's a proudly sponsored by VB. 
Yeah, VB being Victoria, Victoria Bitter. Yeah. The beer. Um, and there's an after party as well, right? There is indeed. There's an after party. If any of you guys are around and you are listening to us um, in Chongqing, you'll have to listen fairly quick. But uh, the after party's in shots. Um, and yeah, it should be, should be a good laugh. Like there's a, there looks like there's a good crew going to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, the after party, it's, as you say, is in shots. Um, shots is a sports bar. Shots now. is a sports bar. It's under new ownership uh, by two, yeah. We have to get Chris and Paul on. Chris and Paul, uh, yeah, I think yeah. so. At some point, we'll get Chris and Paul on. I think we can for a chat. For a chat, yeah. About yeah, running, what it's like to run a business in China. Yeah. Um, about, about, he was the regional director of English First as well. Okay. Chris was. Yeah. Okay. But, but um, that's for another day. That is for another day. Um, but yeah, so from 1 p.m. until I think 4 o'clock, uh, there'll be some sport. And the after party afterwards at seven. Yeah. And I tell you, lads, here we are doing this podcast. It's a, myself and Eric. We're both feeling a little bit of the pressure this week. We're both feeling a little bit under the weather. But it's grand. It's grand. It's fine to feel like that. Because we're not going to feel like that next week. We're not going to feel like that the week after. We're going to feel a different way. And so just take care of yourselves, lads. Just take care of yourselves. If it takes going into a park and sitting down and reading a book, do it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, look after your mental health. Um, the weather's getting better. Temperatures are rising. Get outdoors. Yeah. Get some fresh air. Um, I have a football match, soccer match on Sunday as well. Oh, the debut. That's my debut. Um, I've been playing Tuesday nights for the last six months I'm not every Tuesday night yeah. I'm, I'm not committed not every Tuesday night. you're a terrible trainer um, but I do score goals you do score goals uh-huh. um, and I've recently just joined a unofficial tennis club oh yeah. very nice I played tennis for the first time last weekend yeah how bad were you uh, not great at first but I quickly got the hang of it yeah yeah I think that comes from the fact that I grew up in a country that place hurling. It might be. And it when be. you are going to primary school, at some point, you've got to take hurling lessons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no escaping it. There's no escaping it. You have a stick and a ball and you have to hit the ball. Yeah. Anyway, will we take that as our leave? I think we will. Um, yeah, look after yourselves. Take yeah. care. Thanks for listening. Um, yeah, find us on on Twitter. Uh um, Spotify, Spotify Acast we're everywhere we're everywhere like and subscribe as usual yeah and toodles